0: Genesis 25, verse 20, uh, 25, 25, pardon me, excuse my voice. And the first came out red all over like a hairy garment, and they called his name Esau. After that came his brother out and took hold on Esau's heel, and his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was three score years old when she bare him. And the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter, a man of the field. And Jacob was a plain man, dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau, because he did eat of his venison. But Rebekah loved Jacob. Keep your Bible open. Let's pray. Father, will you settle us in your presence? Will you settle our hearts to your word? And will you glorify your name? Father, thank you for your loving kindness. Thank you for your blessed, wonderful son, the Lord Jesus. So we ask you, Lord, that you would help us even this morning to exalt him. Lead us through thy word for our lives and our walk with you. And glorify the Son of God. For Jesus' name's sake we ask it. Amen. So I said, Jacob is the Hebrew word of, if you want, our English version, James. And so that's why I've picked us dedicating Bobby James unto the Lord this morning. But I was reading and I was praying about this. I had this message already written. And we were going to dedicate Bobby James the morning or the weekend when Grace had fallen ill. So I've preserved it and I've kept it and I've put it away. I thought for that's for this morning in particular. I want to speak this morning on Jacob, a man of the flesh and of faith. Jacob, a man of the flesh and of faith. Do you know the name Jacob is mentioned if you have a King James Bible? That is the proper Bible. If you have the King James Bible, it is found the name Jacob is found 358 times. Jacob means heel holder, or heel grabber. It means supplanter. And we read that in here where he grabs the heel of Esau when they're born, so his name is called Jacob. Jacob in his nature means he's twisted, so someone called James, their names means twisted. Maybe a bit twisty in character or whatever, but... And usually, generally, what they did is when they mentioned or they named names on their children, it was prophetic or else it was something that was happening around at the time. So they brought that into their name. Jacob is the grandson of Abraham and Sarah. He is the son of Isaac and Rebekah. We have read that in our narrative. And of course, he's the brother, we're told, of Esau. He's also the father or the patriarch Of the twelve tribes of Israel. So Jacob becomes known as Israel. And of course when he becomes known as Israel. The twelve tribes comes from him. They're his sons in other words. The last book of the Old Testament. And the last mention. Of the name Jacob. Or the patriarch Jacob. Is in Malachi chapter 1. Malachi chapter 1 and verse 2. Now, listen to what the Lord says through the prophet unto Jacob's children. At this point, it is the children in the house of Judah, the southern kingdom. And notice what he says here. The Lord, through the prophet, says, I have loved you, saith the Lord. I have loved you, saith the Lord, yet ye say, wherein hast thou loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith the Lord, Yet I loved Jacob. And verse 3 says, And I hated Esau. Imagine God saying that. God said, I hated Esau. Esau despised his birthright. Esau sold all God had for him. Gave it away. Didn't want it for a pot of stew or lentil soup, whatever way we can term it. He gave it away. I've told you many times, and because there are, there are some here from the, that aren't from our assembly here, I've given the illustration how my big Labrador, Labrador retriever dog, Harley Davidson, I call him, and he has his nice big, soft, spongy, comfy bed in the garage, and he rolls over and it's hard to get him out of his bed, and even whether it's sunny or whether it's raining, whether it's snowing outside... To get Harley out of his bed, is, it's almost impossible. You nearly have to drag him across the garage floor if you had to get him out. But whether it's snowing or raining, and you have to get him outside, he's, he's sheltered out there too. Don't think I'm throwing him out in the snow and the rain now. He's sheltered out there too, but he needs to go out during the day. So you bring one little doggy biscuit, and you show it to him, and he's laying waiting on his belly to be scratched. And he's laying on his big comfy bed. And you show him his wee doggy biscuit and Hardy jumps up on his feet. And he runs around and right out the garage, you don't even have to ask him. And he's outside before the doggy biscuit even goes out the door. And I've said to Alison, we should have called that dog Esau. She says, why? I says, because Esau sold everything that he had that was good for a pot of stew, for a bowl of soup. In other words, Harley has this bed comfortable and soft and it's very warm and he's just loving it there and he's so comfortable. And look, if you don't go in all day to Harley, he will just lie there all day. He won't even make a mute. He won't bark. He just lies there. And he's lying on his bed and there's no way you're getting him out. He's He's got this. He's got his birthright in this garage here in his bed. But one little doggy biscuit changes it all. Do you know there's people and they're selling their birthright for one little doggy biscuit? There are Christians who are giving away their birthright to live how they like for the things of this world, one little doggy biscuit. And they're shunning the things that God has for them to move deeper into the things of the Spirit for for, for one little doggy biscuit. Whatever that doggy biscuit is, You see, Esau did that, and God said, I have loved you, saith the Lord. He's saying it to Judah, who become known as the Jews. He's saying, I have loved you, saith the Lord. Yet ye say, wherein hast thou loved us? How often do we miss the blessing of the Lord? How often as Christians do you and I miss what God has done for us, and we don't even regard it anymore? Do you know when you opened your eyes this morning and saw your bedroom ceiling or wherever you saw maybe your wife lying next to you with no makeup on or whatever she has, you know, that's still a blessing. (coughs) I said one time to Alison, (coughs) I shouldn't be telling you all this, but anyway, I said one time to Alison, when we were in Whitewell and we were having early morning prayer meetings, and they were at five five thirty every morning. And so we were all up, and the, 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 there were many, many—I don't know—a couple of hundred youth. Maybe Daniel was there. Maybe I don't know what there was. A couple of hundred. When we say youth; you know, these are teenagers, early twenties. We're still youth. And I used to get up in the morning. I was old. I was the—I was older than them, you know. I, but I, uh, anybody could go. And I remember sitting, at the, waiting on them coming in, and some of them were coming in, but some of the young women came in, and you thought they'd been dragged through a hedge backwards. <laughs> and I remember saying, these prayer meetings are great, not just to seek the face of God, but they're great that every young man should come to these early morning prayer meetings to know what they're getting after their wedding night's over. <laughs> to get the reality of it. But, you know, here the Lord says, I've loved you. And they say, when have you loved me? When have you loved me? Jacob's descendants are saying, when have you loved me? How have you loved me? God had kept them through war. God had kept them through famine. God had kept them through drought. God had kept them away from death and danger. God had blessed them in the field. He had blessed them in their home. God had kept them, he had brought his presence down into the very center of them in a temple. God had blessed them in many ways, yet you know what happens, they they become so used to it. They become so used to it, they don't appreciate it. They didn't appreciate what God had said in the midst of them. And so now God says, I've loved you. And they're saying, "How have you loved me? Brothers and sisters, let's be careful that we don't get of the same mindset where When God's presence is in our midst, we don't say, we take it for granted. We don't say, well, well, it's only another meeting. It's a good meeting. When God's presence comes into a meeting, when God's presence is moving, when God's spirit is speaking, when God is touching your heart that's precious and nobody's saying to you, I love you. And many of us say, well, how have you loved us? Have I not blessed you? Encouraged you? Have I not given to you? What greater love could he show us than giving of his own son whenever you and I ended the probably we were praying in the prayer meeting upstairs. We were praying it Uh, 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 we pray every morning and every evening before the meetings and we're praying upstairs and the simple prayer seemed to be that Lord whenever we were dead to you when we were in our dead and our trespasses and our sins and our full total depravity of this nature of ours when we were no better as it were out in the world those of us who have been in the world especially and carrying on and sinning with importunity uh, didn't care, didn't think about you it's not even we didn't want you, we just didn't know about you There was nothing in our spirits, there's nothing in our minds or our hearts that made us feel conviction or even guilty of any sort because we were no better than an animal, as it were, that runs around the street. We were just dead to God. Didn't feel sorry for it. But for some reason, he loved me. But for some reason, he loved you. And it was through his own election and divine will that he decided somewhere in eternity that he has said, I love him and I love her, and you are the recipient of God's great love. For you and I to say this morning, wherein have you loved us? We cannot say it, for he gave his best. He gave his son for us. How have I loved you? I gave the darling of my bosom for you. I give my son for you. Romans nine, Paul takes what God has, God has said in Malachi one and two, and Paul reiterates it in Romans nine and thirteen. It says, "As it is written, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated." We tend to find it hard that God says those words, "Have I hated?" But I have something to tell you, God hates sin he hates it and God is justified and right to hate everyone for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God but in his great mercy with his big heart of love for some reason he looked at a wretch like me don't ask me why because I can't explain it either. He saves the vilest of the vine. In the New Testament, Jacob's last mention is this. It's found in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11 known as faith's hall of fame. Hebrews 11 and verse 21 says these words. Now take note of this. This is important. By faith, Jacob, when he was a dying... Now, notice the words, by faith. We're speaking of Jacob a man of the flesh and of faith. By faith, Jacob, when he was a dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshipped... Here's a man now worshipping. Worshipping in faith. And worshipping, leaning upon the top of his staff. Now... Some people say that if you go to Genesis chapter 48, if you're near, still in Genesis 25, keep your thumb in it or mark it and go to Genesis chapter 48 and we'll read a couple of verses just to show you this. This is where Hebrews 11 and 21 is speaking of. Let your eye run down to verse 12. And Joseph brought them out. That is Ephraim and Manasseh. That's his two sons, Joseph brought them both Ephraim and Manasseh in his right hand toward Israel's left and Manasseh in his left hand towards Israel's right and he brought them near to him and Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it upon Ephraim's head who was the younger and his left hand upon Manasseh's head guiding his hands wittingly for Manasseh was the firstborn and he blessed Joseph and said God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac did walk the God which fed me all my life long unto this day, the angel which redeemed me from all evil blessed the lads, and let my name be named on them, and the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. Now we're told that Joseph, without reading on, you can mark it and read it. Joseph goes to lift his father's hands, Jacob's hands. He's now dying, and he's crossing over like a multiplication sign. His right hand on the younger Ephraim's head, and his left hand on the elder Manasseh's head. It should have been like this, the right hand on Manasseh, the elder, and the left hand on the younger Ephraim. But he crossed it over. Joseph goes to move it and he says, son, I know what I'm doing and I am pronouncing a blessing. I'm worshiping over this and I'm praying in faith. He says, there'll be a multitude in the midst of the earth. So now Jacob is ready to die and he's a man of faith. But we know that according to his name, Jacob, he's a twister. He's a heel grabber. He's a supplanter. He, he was one of those old cheats that you couldn't really trust him. He might be a nice guy to your face, but he would have, he would have you know, stole the eye out of your head and come back for the socket. He's one of those ones. And so we find that he is now saying... I know what I'm doing. You know why? Because he's had a relationship with the Lord. In other words, there's come an enlightenment into Jacob's life that he cannot live in his sin. He can't live in his flesh. He can't live and be okay with God. And something has happened. Notice what he says here. He says in verse 15, And he blessed Joseph and said, God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac did walk before. They walked before God. They had a relationship with God. They built altars unto God. They sacrificed unto God. Theophany of Christ came and ministered with them and talked with them throughout the Old Testament. Notice what he says. The God which fed me all my life long unto this day. Notice he's saying, I've been blessed and loved by him. I've been encouraged by him. But his generations right down to the end of the Old Testament in the book of Malachi and those of Judah, now they're saying, well, why have you loved us? What have you done for us? See the difference? They're now moving from faith to flesh. They're backsliding away from God. They're going far from him. And see, friend, that's what happens, brother, sister, because we can be so in touch with the Spirit. We we can be so in love with the Lord Jesus Christ. We can walk with God every day and realize His blessings. As soon as you looked at the ceiling this morning, you were blessed, you had vision in your eyes. As soon as you were able to carry yourself on your, on your feet this morning, you were blessed. You were able to walk. As soon as you went to your cupboard and there was food there, you were blessed. God would give you food. As soon as you get into your car or put on your nice clothes or whatever you've done, you're blessed, you're blessed, you're blessed, you're blessed, and you're blessed. It's all from God and his, what's known as general grace. But the blessing is greater than that because you're here to praise the living God while many in this world are dying without Christ. You're heaven bound. You're a man and woman. You're men and women of the kingdom. And you're going to be with Christ forever. Should the Lord come or call. You're going to be worshipping him and serving him. You're blessed. You're blessed and you're blessed. Eternally blessed. And he says it's all because I've loved you. It's because I've loved you. It's not that you love me. He says I love you. And sometimes we say Lord do you still love me? Do you still love me? He says, oh, I, I can't speak for God in this instance, but I am sure, I, I, I surmise even that God is tired of us asking him, love? does he love us? I'm tired of listening to that. I've gave everything for you. And Judah, the southern kingdom of Israel here, Israel are carried captive, they're gone. And now Judah's left and he's blessed them and encouraged them, even through their sin. He's been long suffering with them. He's given them time and space to repent and still they haven't. And he says, I have loved you. He's calling to them. I've loved you. And they say, have you loved us? Oh, brothers and sisters, God forbid that we would ever in our own hearts ever say, have you ever loved me? When he gave his son for us. When we were unworthy. Here he says something. And he says in verse 16. The angel which redeemed me. From all evil bless the lads. The angel which. Notice if, you've, if you're reading the King James Bible. You'll see it's a capital A. That means it's the angel of the Lord. Not just an angel. An angel as in an, a created angel. Can not redeem The angel here speaks of a pre-Bethlehem, what's known as a theophany. It's an appearance of the invisible God, the word of the Lord coming. This is the Lord Jesus Christ before Bethlehem. Isn't that marvelous? Think, Think about it. Jesus himself came down and he spoke and wrestled with old Jacob. Why did he do that? I'll tell you why. Because he knew he was a man of the flesh. He knew that he wasn't right. He had no relationship with him. And only God coming down in grace is able to bring men and women, many sons to glory. That's why. And it's the angel, he says, which redeemed me, bless the lads. The same Jesus which saved me. The same Jesus which saved... Maybe all of us, or the vast majority of us here this morning, this same Jesus still saves sinners today. He still redeems. He still heals. He still baptizes with his Holy Spirit. And this same Jesus, so come in like manner out of heaven, said those men in white to the disciples, as ye have seen him go into heaven the angel which redeemed me from all evil, blessed the laws. And Jacob says, let my name be in them. In other words, Jacob Israel is your name. It says in Hebrews 11, so Hebrews 11 is mentioning this, that which happened here. And Hebrews 11 says this, by faith when he was a dying, Jacob blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning upon the top of his staff. Now, many people have thought this means he's pulling himself up in the end of his bedpost. But I would beg to differ because we don't know if he had a bedpost or not. The beds were different then. They were just old flat beds. Maybe sheepskins and rugs and goatskins on them and they lay on top of them. A pile of them. But rather here, his staff is when he's traversing through life. And what the that they did with this great big staff you know it wasn't just a stick, it was a great big staff, near probably the height or bigger than Jacob himself, and every time something significant happened in the life, for example, when Jacob was running from Esau after he remember he covered his hands with hair <laughs> and he got the the blessing of the of his father and and he runs in fear of Esau well at this time, he would have put a great big notch and got his knife out and cut a big notch into the staff. And that would always remind him, Esau is my enemy. The fear that came of that. You see, and then he would have had something like the time he's at Bethel. And when he's at Bethel and the ladder, or the stairway from heaven to earth, and the Lord's at the top of it. And the angels of of God are ascending and descending on it. What a vision! And so he would have got another notch into that. Or the time Laban, remember he he served for seven years and he got the wrong wife and he had to go another seven years? You'd think he'd learned his lesson, wouldn't you? And he served another seven then he tricked Laban and he had to, to depart from Laban. And listen, we have that little... We have that little saying, no, Mizpah, the Lord watch between me and thee while we are apart one from another. We get it in little cards and it's lovely, you know, you're traveling and I'm traveling away. We're never going to see each other for a while. Mizpah. That's not what it means, by the way. Do you know what it is? Laban and Jacob had so twisted each other, they were twisted one with the other and cheated one another. They now get face to face and, and they say, Mizpah means they pile up stones and they say, let this be a remembrance that The God who you say you serve, Jacob, if he's real, if you really have a consciousness of him, and the God that I serve, if he's real and I have a consciousness, may he watch you because you're a twister. And may he watch me for I'm a twister. And whoever comes near to do harm, Mizpah, let him be the judge over it. That's what that means. It's not this, Mizpah, I'm going to miss you. It means that the Lord... Watch over us while we're apart. Let him keep his hand on you. And every time you go to do me wrong, may God take you into his charge. That's the idea of it. So he puts another notch in the staff. I'm thinking again of whenever Jacob, he he's in... Uh, he cheats, he cheats when he's away again and, and he, he's cheating from, for the lambs and the sheep and the goats and he's taking those of labor and he's putting the ring stakes on. He's, he's really in fraud. He's fraudulent. There's another notch. I remember that happened. And then of course we have to think of other things that has happened. We could keep going on and on. And, but these notches are gathering up. Now he's an old man. And as he's gathering up through these notches, the angel which redeemed me, I wrestled with him all night and he changed my name to Israel. Or Nasser big notch. Do you know what he's doing? Ephraim and Nasa come in with Joseph, their father. And he's weak in his body. See, the flesh, it's okay, you feed your flesh now, but it will reap death. This flesh will pass away. This flesh will go to the grave. But the word of the Lord endures forever. God is eternal. And so here he is and he gathers his staff and he brings himself up and he's, you know when you're not feeling great, you're not feeling well, you find it hard to pray. You know when you find it hard to worship and you're just not feeling up to yourself? Who's ever felt like that? Most of us and the rest are Liars. You've just broken our commandment. (laughs) Do you know what you're feeling? Jacob felt like that. And he had to take everything in him. And he looks at his staff and he says, I remember this. And you saved me from death. I remember this. And you saved me out of trouble. I remember this and you visited me from heaven. Oh, I remember the angels. I remember the Bethel stone where I laid my head and the anointing of it with oil. I remember it, you see. And as he starts to remember, I remember I wrestled with the angel of the Lord all night. I remember you came to me. I remember it. I remember it, oh God. You're living, you're real, you're alive. And he starts to strengthen himself up. And with the faith that's generated, looking at this staff, he lays his hands, even unexpectedly, in the multiplication saying... And even blesses outside that which is normal. You see, the difference is you can, you can trust God for the supernatural. You see, we think it should be this way and this is how it's going to happen. But God says, no. He's going to be the one who'll be a company of nations and he'll be the one who'll be a great nation. And it's not the other way around. So Jacob had to obey God and bless like this. And there was faith in his heart that I'm going to die and not see this but I know you're going to carry it on. You know, sometimes when you're praying for loved ones and you haven't seen them saved, sometimes you're praying for loved ones and you're just wishing they'll come to faith in Christ and maybe you're feeling, what if I die and they're not, they're not saved? You need to leave them with God and pray on end for them. Because God is not unrighteous to forget your labors. And even when we pass on this life he remembers that which has happened and he will carry it on listen folks I can tell you and honestly say to you I've only started this in about four pages and I haven't got down half the first one I might do another piece if I get a chance next week I don't know listen to this this is what I've written note this at Jacob's birth he grabs a heel to claim the birthright At Jacob's death, he grabs the staff to impart the birthright. I'm going to say it again. I want you to get it. At Jacob's birth, he grabs a heel to claim the birthright. At Jacob's death, he grabs a staff to impart the birthright. Jacob started life in the flesh, and he finished in the spirit. He started life without faith and finished it in faith. Jacob was born in sin but with an encounter with God during an encounter with Jesus his life was changed. See the man and the woman who say oh I've met Jesus and by faith I believe in him and I've got saved and there's no change of life I can tell you they haven't met Jesus. I'm just being honest with you. The man and the woman whose lives have not changed. I don't mean to become rich. I'm talking about in holiness. In right living. They have not met Jesus. In Genesis 25 and 23. And it's also mentioned in Romans 9 and 12 again in the New Testament. It says, And the Lord said unto her, That is Rebekah. Two nations are in thy womb and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels and one people shall be stronger than the other and the elder shall serve the younger. Now this is before they're born. The Lord says the elder, was Esau here, shall serve the younger, Jacob. Yet they aren't even born. God had already foreordained it. That Jacob the younger would receive the birthright, but Jacob grabbed the heel of Esau to get it. And here's something we must note when God's hand is upon you, when God's anointing is on you, when God's promise is within you, you don't need to force the issue. He has already said it will happen. Your flesh and my flesh cannot, cannot push the providence of God. It's not by might. It's not by power. But by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. See whatever God has for you. Trust him for it. Don't let the flesh. Don't let the flesh stir you up. That you push it to try and enhance it to make it happen. Listen, we love worship. I love worship. But sometimes I feel in, uh, that there's too much flesh. There's too much rock and roll flesh to try and make something happen. Listen, we don't need it to. We just need to worship him leaning on our staff. Count your blessings, name them one by one and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. And listen as I say this to close. Maybe you've come and you're weak and we all get weak. And I know I've, I know I've joked about certain things and I don't mean that as an offense. You know me by now. maybe you're weak, maybe you're struggling you know what you need to do? remember he says I have loved you there's nothing you can do this morning there's nothing you can do this morning that will make God love you any more than he has from eternity past grasp this it's your feelings it's not how he loves you I change, he changes not The Christ can never die. His love, not mine, the resting place. His truth, not mine, the tie. There's nothing you can do to make the Lord love you any more than he did in eternity past. For when you were an enemy of Christ, he came to die for you. And there's nothing you can do to make him love you any less. I'm going to say it again. There's nothing you can do to make him love you any less. Yes, he may chastise his people. Yes, there's wrath for the unbeliever. Yes, there's a lake of fire. Yes, there is. But there is a kingdom of God awaiting you with a great inheritance. A great blessing is on your life. There's a great promise put within you. And God says, wait in me. Trust in me. And I will bring it to pass. God is working already for you. Church, God is working on your behalf. He's working on mine. May God bless his word to all of our hearts this morning. Thank you for your attention. Rachel and Kingsley, and Faith and Grace and Bobby James, God bless you all. And we love you. We love you. Amen. Amen, everyone.